Welcome to the Christine Means Business Podcast. My name is Christine Hansen and I'm a business consultant helping entrepreneurs to scale their business without working more through wonderful team management, leadership and strategy. Together with fellow experts or my own, this podcast is designed to share the most actionable tips, pieces of wisdom and anecdotes that will help you to avoid any mistakes that will cost you time or money to grow your business. It is my absolute joy to share that knowledge with you to help you for your ultimate success. You will get a new episode every two weeks and there's loads of free materials on my website christinemeansbusiness.com. So go ahead and check that out and I'm looking forward to hear your feedback and please don't forget to give us a couple of stars if you enjoy what you've been hearing on your podcasting platforms. And without further ado, let's start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this brand new episode of Christine Means Business, the podcast that will help online entrepreneurs, creatives, and coaches to build and grow their online businesses through actionable tips and through stories and wisdom and lots of humor, hopefully. So today I am joined by Bharat Kenodia, uh, and he's going to help me teach you or share some pearls of wisdom about how to actually figure out if your company is worth something, I guess. So when I look at it, we, the topic would be valuation, startups or venture capitals. And I know for some of you that might be really daunting and you might be thinking, well, I just have a small business. But let's get into this a little bit. Before we start, though, I want to tell you a little bit about Bharat because he has appraised over 2000 businesses. So he knows what he's talking about and side off on assets worth 2.6 trillion in values. I cannot not even imagine how many zeros those are and what that would look like. He has appraised unique assets like, now wait for it, the Golden Gate Bridge. I have no idea how you do that, but he did that. Atlanta Airport, Uber, Airbnb, Yahoo, Brooklyn Bridge, Mirage Casino, Las Vegas, I guess, and among many others. He is also the founder of Veristrat, a company that helps startup founders and VCs by telling them what their companies are worth, which I imagine can be quite um, enlightening at times. He lives in San Francisco Bay Area with his family and he enjoys sailing, golfing, skiing and horseback riding. So that last part was a little bit like a Tinder kind of profile. But apart from that, let's get started because I had a little bit of an introduction or a little chat with Bharat before. And um, I told him that, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't sure if he was a fit because a lot of you guys have smaller businesses. And he had a really good reference and saying that actually it's kind of always the same. It doesn't really matter necessarily how big the size is in terms of the business or how much growth it already have, but the way how it grows and how you can, you know, increase the value of your business over time, I guess, has the same criteria. So welcome, Barrett, to the podcast. I can't wait to talk to you more about this topic because honestly, I never really thought about this that much. I always really thought, okay, this is for the fancy startup kind of pitch fest events, not really for small businesses, but I'm really, really happy to be surprised and to be taught something new. So First of all, tell us a little bit how you got into this. How do you value a business? 
and maybe one story about a surprise that you had when you started evaluating a business? Um, first of all, um, I also like pina coladas and walks on the beach. <laughs> so let's in add the rain. To, my, to the <laughs> Tinder profile. Um, thank you for having me. Um, as I said, you know, <clears throat> a business is a business. Um, it's a living and breathing entity mm-hmm. with uh, money and people and problems and the good and the bad and the ugly. Um, big or small doesn't matter. So think of me as a vet, uh, small business, big business, a horse, a giraffe, a rabbit. It's all the same. Um, they have different intended use. They have different problems, but nevertheless, they all are still um, belonging to the same category. Um, I started in this business uh, 20 years ago, just by accident. That was the first job out of college. And uh, turned out I was half good at it. Um, and I stuck with it. Um, and over the years, I've been fortunate or unfortunate to have valued all kinds of assets, all kinds of unique assets, which you obviously rattle out. Um, I share that list of assets not to impress people, but to impress upon people that everything has a value. Um, Mm -hmm. When I tell people that I have appraised uh, the Golden Gate Bridge or the Brooklyn Bridge in New York, uh, people are like, what? Why would, are they selling it? I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah, that would just be a question. What's happening? What don't we know? Uh, Yeah, what what, what, what is this administration doing now? You know, that's usually the question. (laughs) But uh, uh, no, you know, governments also uh, are businesses, if you will, except they just don't act and conduct themselves like one. Um, so they need evaluation of what they own too. Um, one of the weirdest stories I had was I uh, was a young appraiser sitting on my desk, minding my own business, pretending to work. <laughs> um, and my boss walks over and he hands me a proposal, you know, that's this thick. And he says, uh, Bharat, um, We've been contracted to appraise the Brooklyn Bridge in New York. Like, oh, fantastic. Who's doing it? He's like, you are. Oh, Um, I'm like, I reminded him. I'm like, you know, Paul, I have never appraised a bridge in my life. You know that, right? And you want me to start with the Brooklyn Bridge? He's like, yeah, you'll figure it out. Oh, okay. All right. Um, And by the way, he says, I'm going to give you three guys who can help you, but you need to train them on the job. Okay. All right. So you want me to start my bridge experience appraising the Brooklyn bridge. And you're going to give me three guys who also have no experience in appraising a bridge like that, but you want me to train them on the job while I'm training myself. Makes total sense to me. (laughs) And he says, yeah. I'm like anything else he's like yeah do a he's like do a good job oh like, sure maybe a unicorn course. on top you know and, like, and, 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 and he walks away and i'm sitting there you know looking at this proposal two hundred thousand bucks which was a lot of money for us at that time like holy crap you better not screw this up <laughs> so, but you managed that was my, i hope 
I, I survived. <laughs> I survived. Well, the, brook, the bridge is still there, so something must have the bridge gone is still right, there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So ever since that, a lot of time has obviously passed, I suppose. Has it What are you changed? trying to say? <laughs> so the way that you do your job, has that changed? Because I think for a lot of people specifically talking about, you know, startups, VC, all this, all of that thing. I think it existed before, but it was maybe not as mainstream as it is now. So has the way that you approach a project, has that changed? And if not, what are, if you were to really simplify it down for someone maybe to be even aware of what they should look into in their business, what are some of the key pillars that you are looking for that are kind of the blueprint for, you know, assessing the value of something? That's a great question. Um, so the last, I would say, since the last recession, 2008-2009, the word valuation has gotten a lot of traction. Pre-2008, 2009, if I mentioned the word valuation or tell people I'm a valuation expert, they would look at me funny. Like, you have a job, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, have, yeah okay, okay. That's good enough. That's all I care. But now I tell people I'm a valuation expert. They're like, whoa, really? <laughs> um, and that's not something because something I did. Yeah. It's because just our society and community and business has become very aware of valuations and the how and the why and that they're important because anytime you just google anything a startup or name a startup just put in put in airbnb or put in rivian or put in tesla within the first five hits you will see the word valuation tesla mm -hmm. worth so and so rivian last valuation was so and so so it's not me, it's the mainstream popular media has made this term, I wouldn't say commoditize, uh, but folksy. Yeah. That everyone now knows the term valuation and everybody talks about it, not just knows it. I'm like, oh, did you know their valuation is so much? Do you even know what valuation means? What that means, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you know, this is where I need to bite my tongue because, hey, like, all right, dude, back off. You don't own the word, which I should have trademarked a long time ago, but apparently you can't do that. <laughs> um, but uh, there are really three ways to value anything. And if somebody were to tell you otherwise, call bullshit on it because, <laughs> <to know. laughs> because they're, they're just going to come up with something very obscure and try to um, make it sound like it's larger than life and that you miss something. But the basics, the foundation will always stay the same, right? Um, you know, the, the air, water, fire, you know, the basics stay the same. So the basics of valuations are one, what kind of cash flow? will this asset, now that asset could be a business, it could be the Brooklyn Bridge, or it could be a patent, or it could be a painting, what have you, right? What kind of cash flow? Now, when I say cash flow, meaning revenue, minus expenses, yes. minus taxes, all that, right? What's remaining? What kind of cash flow will this asset give you if you own this asset? Mm -hmm. 
you figure out the cash flow for the next five, 10, 15, whatever years, and you present value it. Very simple. That's called the income approach. That's the ideal way of valuing anything. That's the method Warren Buffett uses. Okay. That's really the method to use that, hey, what is this thing giving me? And then present value. It's simple. It's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Um, second, and this is what people do, and this is the method that gets people into trouble and causes bubbles. Okay. Um, not that it's wrong, but it is a method, but this method does cause issues. And I use this method also. I'm not saying I'm above this. Um, it's called the market approach. So you look at um, a house, you know, uh, you're in UK. So say a 1500 square foot house would be a big house, 1500 square foot house. Um, and you see what are other Mm-hmm. Similar houses that are 1,500 square feet, mm-hmm. two stories, similar construction, similar neighborhood are going for. And if they are going for, say, a million pounds, well, your house is worth approximately a million pounds, give or take, depending on some of the nuances. Mm-hmm. Say if you have a patio or something, yeah, fine, mm-hmm. add a few thousand bucks for a patio. Exactly. You know so you I mean? compare so and you base you compare the price based on that. On that. Two, number three is the cost approach where you're looking at, okay, you have a house. What might it cost you to build that house from the ground up? Okay, got it. Or if you own a factory, then you would say that, okay, if I were to start this factory, set up this factory, what might it cost me to set it up? I need to buy the land, prepare the site, get permits, permission, design, right? Acquire, you know, acquire materials, um, uh, organize labor and equipment, right? And then execute. What would all that cost me? It might take a year, two years, five years. What's the cost of that opportunity cost? Bake that in. And what might it cost me if I get a big shot developer to do it versus a mom and pop shop to do it? You know, you see all Mm -hmm. these variables. So the three approaches are uh, what kind of cash flow will this business give me and present value that cash flow today? What are other similar businesses or similar assets selling for? Or what might it cost you to rebuild or recreate that asset from scratch? Mm -hmm. Got it. This logic doesn't work everywhere right so if there's a rembrandt right you can't do a cost approach on it because rembrandt's dead yes you can't nothing we, reproduce it exactly. yeah we can't do anything about that you could have a forged rembrandt but then it's a forged rembrandt so how come then when let's think about you know i think what my audience can probably relate to is something like and what i think is exactly connected to you is when we watch shows like the dragon's den where then you have really passionate entrepreneurs coming in and they have had an evaluation done, apparently, and they are really convinced that their thing is worth millions and millions, you know? Of course. So how- They don't even order work for cheap. (laughs) So how would you, let's see, we have people who are listening and they are like, okay, 
I actually do want to sell my business at some point. You know, what can you do right from the beginning to first of all, know that you will get a good evaluation, but also that your business is worth as much as possible. Like what should they, how should they design it if they know from the beginning that potentially I want to sell this thing? It's a very, I think a lot of, a lot of the people that I know wouldn't necessarily, they create a business because it's their purpose. It's very passion driven. They don't necessarily consider it as a legacy piece, but you also have those who might never have even thought about it and who are now, you know, pricking their ears and they're like, oh, actually, if I want to stop, I don't want it just to, to kind of die in terms of we quit, we're closed now, but would I be able to pass this on and to actually sell it? How, what would you, what kind of advice would you give them? How can they set this up? What should they have ready? Should they have certain paperwork ready? Should they have certain numbers ready? Should they have a certain structure? What would you, and think about like smaller businesses, like maybe an online boutique or even something like a coaching business, maybe with, I don't know, teams or something like that. What would you advise them to already prepare for that so that they could, well, very simplified, open a drawer and say, okay, here's my material, I'm ready to sell and to have it sell well. So I guess we're not doing a five course meal. You want to, <laughs> to go straight into the entree. Here we go. We don't waste time. Fine, I'm going to pick your fine, brain shamelessly. Fine, let's do that. So, um, there is no rocket science to this. Um, and I've been a business owner myself for 10 plus years and I have seen all kinds of businesses and I've owned all kinds of businesses. And businesses need two things. Okay. Again, and if somebody were to tell you otherwise, call bullshit. Um, and I have done a video on why um, why these two things are important. And if you implement these two things that I'm about to tell you over the next six months, you can literally double the business's value, whichever business, it doesn't matter. Um, and talking about Dragon's Den, um, there's a um, comparable uh, show in America called Shark Tank. Um, I have yes, done exactly. It. I, I, I don't know why they don't have the same title in the UK and it's, it's in in German. It's it's the Höhle der Löwen. It's like the lion's den for like if you really compare it, you know. But it's the same. It's probably a copyright trademark thing. Um, um, so I've done an episode in my YouTube channel um, mm -hmm. called "How to Bait a Shark," and in that I give five points on what these sharks are looking for because I work with venture capitalists all the time and they're like sharks too. So if you watch that episode and that'll tell you exactly how Dragon's Den is working and what those guys are looking for because they're not stupid. They're really sharp. They've been around the block. Um, and second episode I had done is called Double Valuation, which is what I'm going to talk about. Um, so any business needs two things because those are the two things a business's buyer is looking for. A buyer of a business wants to buy the business 
right? And then sit back and eat bonbons all day and not work at all after buying that business. That's what he or she wants. Now, how close can you get to that fantasy? Mm-hmm. That's really the trick, right? You might not get all the way there, but how close can you get? Mm-hmm. So they want to sit back and enjoy the cash flow. One. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the cash flow, the money that brings in, right? Makes sense. How do you make sure that the money keeps coming in? Mm-hmm. One of the ways to do that is to set up a recurring revenue business model. Got recurring revenue business model is nowadays, if you sign up for anything, you sign up for Adobe, you sign up for Zoom, you sign up for LinkedIn, they want your money on a monthly basis yes, or a yearly basis or a quarterly basis, right? It's not like use as pay as you use or some different, everybody wants a monthly check. Everybody has sort of become this landlord, right? So bring your business closer to that monthly paycheck. So if you own a beauty salon, how do you do that? Well, come up with an idea that, you know, women can come and get their nails done uh, bi-weekly and give them some kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're charging them, say, 20 pounds, for each time they come to you and get their nails done, you might need to give them a break on the pricing, say 15 pounds to mm-hmm. get a commitment of coming in twice a month. Yeah. But taking that hit is okay because if they're going to give you $20 a month, say if they come twice a month and they're giving mm-hmm. you 40 pounds, they're giving you 40 pounds a month. And then you set up the business model in a way that now they're giving you 30 pounds a month, but they're committed on a monthly basis. Yeah. Your valuation is going to triple despite you losing money on the front end on the revenue. Beautiful. Because now the client is committed because now the new owner knows that, okay, this business has got these 50 customers that pay 30 pounds a month. I know I've got that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Versus women coming in and getting their nails done twice a month without any commitment, the new buyer is going to go, God, I don't know if those women are coming back. can't bank on that. Exactly. Yeah. The cash flow is not predictable. Exactly. Yeah. So that's one. Two, set up systems and processes so that you don't have to go out and invite those women again and again, right? So if Christine has signed up, right, in my nail salon, that, okay, Christine, instead of charging you 40 pounds, I'm going to charge you 30 pounds, but I need to set up a system where I keep reminding Christy that, hey, Christy, your nails are due. Here's a link. Set up an appointment. By the way, we charged your credit card five days ago. set up an appointment we want you to come back oh last time you picked this shade this time would you like to pick this shade make it easy for your customer exactly and this is why the new owner wants to sit back and eat bonbons he doesn't want to be sending those emails he doesn't want to be calling christy hey christy your card is not working or give me your card again (laughs) or something like that right make it easy for them it makes totally sense 
And if you just do these two things, that's it, these two things. I'm not telling you five things. You know, what pisses me off when I read some of these articles, Inc. Magazine or whatever, they say, eight things to do in your life. I'm like, eight things to do? Jesus, <laughs> I don't want to read that article. I don't want to do eight things. My, 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 my sister-in-law wrote a book that says uh, something about 12 lessons in life. I'm like, that's too many. That. I just want one. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's too many. I'm not reading that. Fuck that. It's like Jesus Christ. You could, you couldn't, you know, you got, you got to, you, you got to make, give me, you got to give me um, uh, condensed milk. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that fat-free crap. Amazing. So if we took look at this um, in different areas, you could definitely, it's like a subscription model. So that could be membership platforms, general disc subscriptions, manu um, those are kind of the things that I, I see most of the times happening. Like memberships are huge, there's lots of platforms for that. And then investing into good client relationship management platform, I guess, where you have everything nicely tagged out with a nice email software provider that can handle that kind of stuff. So for all of you guys out there, even in the very beginning when you start out, Make sure that you invest in something where you can segment things, where you can have little groups, where you can make sure who's clicking on what, where you can funnel everything into different uh, areas. So make sure that, that those are little things that you can do right from the start in order to then upgrade later to all the bells and whistles, but so that you have, have it set up. And I talk about that all the time, about having SOPs or standard operation procedures so that even if a team member changes, you can just hand that thing over and they know not what to do. So in terms of evaluating a Brooklyn Bridge, you could literally just give them the handbook and they could watch a YouTube tutorial, and then they would know what to do. So this has been incredibly enlightening because for you, this is something you do all the time. It's like, you know, you eat and live this. It's like, it's your bread and butter, obviously it's your expertise. But I think for a lot of us, you know, I don't have a background in that. And most people that I know who have these businesses have no background at all in that kind of world of finances or of evaluation or business, frankly, like we have education in all kinds of different things. So this is really, really helpful. So you guys, when you want to get more of that, um, Barat has already talked about it, but I want you to really check out his YouTube channel. So he mentioned it already, but if you want to go there, um, the handle or the link is youtube.com and then what's it worth all in one word. So you can check that out for his um his videos and obviously we also have a link in our show notes and you can also head over to his business website which is the verystrap.com we have all the links in the show notes and if you want to get in touch with him to maybe ask a question I'm sure he would be happy to answer them so you can find him on LinkedIn you can also find him on Twitter and on Instagram and all the handles are in our show notes. So I'm absolutely certain that if you reach out for some help, he can guide you in the right direction and make sure to check out his videos first. So Bharat, thank you so much for sharing your time. Um, I'm really happy we got this wisdom for free <laughs> and your wisdom with us. That's awesome. I have learned a lot because for me, it's also a world that I've never dabbled with. It's just seemed too intimidating to be frank and now it seems a little bit more accessible so thank you for creating this content for people to understand what all these fancy big ink talk kind of is about so thank you so so much thanks for having me christine 
Wonderful. Now for all of you guys, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or to the YouTube channel, wherever you're consuming this. If you want to read the notes, they are on our show notes, christinemeansbusiness.com forward slash blog. And we will be back in two weeks with a new guest talking about all kinds of business that will help you in your growth or in you building your business. So talk soon. And if you have any questions, just reach out. I'm always happy to help. Bye bye for now. All right, and here is what I usually forget at the end of every episode. So first off, thank you so much for listening and taking the time to tune in. We really, really, really appreciate it. Now, don't forget that I've written a book with everything you need to know about growing and building a business online. It's called We Mean Business, the practical guide for creative entrepreneurs, coaches and small businesses to build your brand and grow your business online. You can find it on Amazon, but also in other online bookstores and on my website. Also, please make sure that if you want to stalk me, you follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube or Twitter or Pinterest or TikTok. And if there was anything in this episode that you learned, that you found entertaining, that made you giggle, then I would be over the moon if you'd left us a five-star rating. These ratings go a long way for more people to tune in and make sure that you follow the podcast as well to share the love and to have more people find it. Thank you so much and we'll see you in two weeks time for a new episode.